on my little list here, it says intro and general warmth. Well, we can fake it, can't we? <laughs> I don't know. Can we? Um, <laughs> but it's not. It's a little chilly today, and so I was just yes. thinking, should I button up fully, um, or perhaps I should uh, um, go and get a jumper? And then I looked out into my thing and I see you with almost no clothes on, Matt. <laughs> For the record, I am. I do have both tops and bottoms on. Uh, <laughs> both of them. <laughs> both of them. Do you need? Do you need a turtleneck? Are you chilling off the neck? Is there a draft? <laughs> well, but, uh, do people still wear those? <laughs> Isn't that only the French and the American Air Force from the 30s wear those, don't they? Is that... <laughs> uh, do people do maybe, that? Uh, maybe that. Uh, should, we, should we do uh, some human-branded turtlenecks? <laughs> oh, yeah, we should. That would be really nice, wouldn't it? Add them to the human store. Yes, I like that very much. Um, yeah, okay, well, let's do that. So I was just making sure that people could see us because I noticed that there was a setting that I hadn't uh, changed in YouTube which makes our faces next to each other when we record it. So, <laughs> In a cute way or in a like an Island of Dr. Moreau style, I, gene splicing. I don't know what you're talking about now. You have to remember, <laughs> Matt, you're significantly older than I am. Um, <laughs> I, I am. I was the first twin out. <laughs> <laughs> you stayed um, in for another month, didn't you? Oh, I love the fact that this <laughs> there could be chat about us being brothers, ah. and not just in the in the proud way. Um, <laughs> anyway, so listen, what are we doing this week, Matt? We're talking fear, feel everything and rise. That was an Ooh. acronym I just made up. Did you really? Did you just make that up? No, there's a oh. song by Ian Brown off of the Stone Roses called F-E-A-R, and all the way through it's different acronyms for what fear could be. Oh, nice. That's quite nice. I do love myself for an acronym, but it's a bit like a cliche. Sometimes you can get a bit acronymed out, can't you? Uh, WTF, BRB. <laughs> we do. do you know what? Working in the corporate world, you realise just how many acronyms there are. And there's one acronym... Um, MI, uh, so obviously I have a medical background, so MI is myocardial infarction. Most people right. know that as a heart attack. Uh, yes. But MI has like, oh my word, it's like the most overused. Like I have this guessing game to see if, if each new industry oh. I work with has an acronym for like, oh, do you use MI? Yeah, you know, okay, I'll, what? I'll use that. What has it meant? I, I've never come oh, across I it. I knew you were going to ask that, and now I've got to remember them all, haven't I? Um, myocardial infarction. <laughs> Said that one. <laughs> Just stalling for time. Um, measured improvements. Um, right. There's a pharmacology one for MI, and I forget what that isn't myocardial infarction. It's another thing. There's one in banking. There's, uh, that I remember them using MI in that as well. There's loads of them. Um, oh, and in uh, with architects, there's an MI as well. Oh, gosh. What about meeting interrupted? Um, no. Yes. <laughs> yeah. well, you've made it up, so it is an acronym now, isn't it? It is now. It's true. It's true that I said it. <laughs> so I sort of feel, hey, you know, um, we could, right, sound effects, because we obviously got the book of the week jingle now, God help us all, um, but we also could have, because this is fear, we could have weekly topic dependent sound effects. That's my dog shaking in the background. So not like that. I mean, because this is fear, we could have a... Yeah, I can see your little face lit up when you were... I can't possibly poo-poo that because you look so excited about it. (laughs) Well, let's run with it and we'll let our listener vote. Okay, great. Our listener is the one that has to be subjected to this so they can decide whether or not we carry on. Thanks, (laughs) Mum. So, um... Fear. I don't want... Yeah, fear. So, uh, good or bad? What's your kind of thinking Funnily on this? enough, that was one of my, oh, let's throw a question grenade your way. Yeah. And actually, I think fear does have a, a beneficial place and a role. Like, However, I think many people go straight in with, oh, fear is to keep you safe. And I think it's actually yes. a bit more than that. I think it's a communication system. Ooh, to, yes. Yes, to just let you know, often things that we're subconsciously, uh, we hold on to, are being triggered, are 
like value boundaries are being crossed. Yes. Now that can be with classic deep seated things like snakes, for example. Yes. Or it could be the uh, fear of embarrassment in public. Yeah. Which are which are all come from our past in some regard, and it's how. It's, and obviously anything can set them off. It doesn't need to be like it, someone could be so scared of snakes that they see a snake on the, on the TV and they're like, oh, I can't look. Yeah, yeah. That's still a communication system of things they've learned previously going beep, 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 beep. Think about this. <laughs> two of the things that I've always been fascinated by with fear. One of them is that people's concept of fear is entirely subjective. So some people love snakes, keep them as a pet, kiss them, cuddle them, have them in bed, all the rest of it. We've all heard the horror story. I don't know if any of these are true about, you know, the people that eat, uh, keep snakes and in the middle of the night they find them trying to eat them. They wake up and think, oh, my legs feel wet. And then you know, they look down and there's like an anaconda, like, you know, <laughs> trying to devour them in the middle of the night. Um, <laughs> uh, and I suspect that's probably never happened. Um, or, you know, like the neighbour that rings the police and says, I've not seen Mr. Jefferson for three weeks and I'm a little concerned. And they go around, there's just a big fat snake in oh the living room. Like, mm. like that. I oh, my know. God. Please never do that face again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. funny, funny how your preferences change when we're recording. Um, oh. So... <laughs> Oh, Mr. Jefferson. So, so then, um, do we have to do a disclaimer? Like, all names and stories are entirely fictional and not relation to real life or something like that. Anyway, um, so that, I find, is really interesting. Some people's fears yes. are other people's pleasures, right? Mm. Um, and so where does that come from? Where So is fear learned? Is it is it um, genetic? Is it inherited? Is there a construct? How is it that one person can... And even if it's not loved, so one person, for example, can use cotton wool on their, you know, skin routine or whatever, and another yeah. person, they don't even think anything of it, it's just a, you know, a way of getting rid of makeup or applying something. Yet another person can't even look at cotton wool because it's mm. so fearful to it. Mm. So that's one thing I'm really fascinated about. And the other thing is this idea that um, fear is not always the thing that we think it is. So, mm -hmm. um, mm. I don't know. I just, I don't know what to explore first. Um, you know, the, <laughs> the, the fact that some for, fear is very different for each of us, but yeah. also the idea that, well, how would you define fear? Because it was obviously clearly useful. Your example was really good there about how, you know, it's basically a sort of, it's a measure, isn't it? It's, a, it's yeah. almost like the, not an electric fence, but it's almost like a, like a sensitive uh, pressure pad around your boundaries. Yeah. Early warning system, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, okay, here's a, here's a good question again then. So what's the biggest fear of all? Is there a fear that links all of us? Now, that's I interesting there because there are the several studies th over the last sort of 50 or so years that uh, about what our societal fears are. Because they help shape psychosocial changes and, you know, they influence things like design and uh, healthcare, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, always in the top three or four are fear of dying and a fear of public speaking. And, and, I, and I believe that public speaking is second only to a fear of dying in the, the most wow. feared things about living for a human being. Now, isn't that remarkable? It, it really is. And I guess it's hard maybe for both of us to relate to that, given that's what we do a lot of the time. So sure. it's hard to sort of understand where that comes from. But if we if we're honest and take a step back, it's I guess it's about being judged by m multiple people, exposing yourself. Not like that. Yeah. But laying yourself bare. Not like that. Yeah. And saying <laughs> this is this is me. Um, I'm here to I, I, I guess also. Hold on. This is coming. If you're. Standing in, in front of public, if you're public speaking in front of lots of people, you're also subconsciously saying what I, I have something important to say. Yes. And if and I guess if the theory, if they don't agree with it, then you could it could undermine your self-esteem. Maybe I'm not important. Like that yes. whole thought, yes. train of thought of, well, if I'm, I'm here, I'm trying to be a leader. I'm trying to speak to you about something that's important and means yeah. something to me. But if they don't get it, then what does that mean for me? And maybe I need to question everything I thought I held true. Yeah, and that's interesting in itself because, of course, you don't have to question everything you've you've held true. The, the idea of what you find fearful and that someone else 
might not find it fearful could be our salvation, couldn't it? Couldn't that be the thing that makes something less fearful to us? I wonder if understanding what somebody, why they don't find it scary could help mm. us to perhaps uh, desensitise ourselves you know, there's, uh, to it by normalising it almost. I mean, that, that I know that that doesn't work classically exclusively as a treatment, for example, but mm. equally... Mm. You know, that's kind of one end of the spectrum, <clears throat> which is, mm. let's talk about it loosely. And some people, of course, their fears are so ingrained and extreme mm. that they can't, you know, see the word spider. They can't think about mm. a spider. They can't talk about spiders. Um, and, of course, the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of treatment is the classic psychological flooding, which is yep. when you are forced to be, you know, almost overwhelmed by the thing that you find fearful in the apparent hope, never works, that you will get over it almost. You're forced <laughs> to get over it. So it's the... Does it not work? It's, it's the equivalent of saying, I'm scared of spiders. And you say, I know what will fix that. I've got this room <laughs> here full of spiders <laughs> and I'm going to lock you in it until you're a quivering, sweaty mess. Um, so somewhere in the middle, I wonder if there's a sweet spot where mm. we understand how to not embrace that's probably a bit too too much too soon for most people mm. not accept that's probably too much too soon for some people but to hmm desensitize the fear a little bit by understanding why it's not a fear for other people because by virtue of someone else not being scared of it it sort of normalizes it it desensitizes you think well it can't be yeah. as fearful as you know, as I make it, if that person is cuddling a spider, you know? But that's assuming that we think rationally around fears, which mm. we can we can logically take that, like, helicopter view, but when you're in the moment, maybe that's not possible. Yeah. But actually, with the spider thing, this is... <laughs> this, maybe this is going to be my new career, like, helping people. Like, people obviously wouldn't be scared of a money spider, and then... Or maybe, hey, maybe someone is. But, like, most people probably wouldn't because it's two millimetres across. Yeah. And then if you had, under another glass, a spider that was three millimetres across, and you're like, are you OK with that one? Yeah, I'm yes. OK with that one. If you had a spider five millimetres across, you OK with that one? Yeah, fine. And then if you had progressively large spiders up to, yes. like, the one at the end of arachnophobia, yes. maybe that way you could actually get there and, and realise hey, that's the same as that one. It's just got enormous teeth and wants to bite my armpits. I think there are some really interesting ways of approaching the thing that we find fearful. And it's, I think you're right. It starts with, how fearful am I of this thing? Yes. So you score it on one to five or oh, yes, one good. to ten or whatever. Um, but then the next bit, very quickly, don't spend too much time about saying, you know, is this a ten out of ten fear or a one out of ten fear? To find a comparison fear is also very useful. So this mm. is my eight out of 10 fear. So what other things are you fearful of in life that you might not think, oh, I'm really scared of that, but actually that, you know, I actually am a bit fearful about the idea of my uh, job sending me somewhere away and I can't yeah. be near my partner or my home or my parents moving away from me. And so there's a low level fears at sort of fours or fives or something. Um, and once you've got that comparison, then the next bit really is to, it's the then what next thing, isn't it? So mm. what contextualise the fear? So wh why are you fearful of it? What, what are you fearful that might happen? You know, and if it's the... Mm. For very often, the reason that I'm going on down this route is that very often fears are not necessarily logical. They're, they're oh, no. very often irrational. And mm. so when we start to rationalise it, you know, what is it that you're scared about this little spider running across the carpet? What is it that is... Is it that you think it's going to bite you? Is it that you think it will, you know, run at you? Or, you know, because you're this huge, great, big, and this yeah. is tiny. So what, what, what is it? And to try mm. and describe it and really understand the fear, because the emotion of fear is often the thing that drives us, not mm. the logic of why we are scared of something. And of oh, course, it's, re it's really the logic, isn't it? Yeah, sure. And you know, very often where we let ourselves down often in life is that we're driven by emotion and not by clarity. Mm. Um, but do you think it's also, because this is your area, like evolutionary throwbacks, some of them, to keep us safe or things we had to learn oh. 150,000 years ago? Yeah, 150,000 years ago, yeah. <laughs> for for no? sort of broad, oh, broad timelines. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, when the dinosaurs were around. Yes. And the Bible was written. Uh, um, again, very broad timelines we're using. Um, so if you're listening to this and doing your homework and you're, you're, oh no, maybe you've chosen history as your homework, don't think, oh, just, just listen to the human podcast and I'll oh, save me having to do any homework or research. When the Tudors were around. The Tudors. <laughs> when your grandma was born 150,000 years ago. Um, yeah, of course, there are those <clears throat> intuitive instinctive things that uh, you know that we've developed and have never gone away but actually many of them are useless we don't need a lot of mm. these inherited behaviors that we have now um because uh, the, the classic it's a cliche it really irritates me whenever i hear it um i'll mm. say it only because it is used so often as an example it's almost become sort of like a household thing but the the flight or fight response um to the extent that we have it now, of course, was inherited by saber-toothed tigers. You know, do you run forwards or do you run away? Um, yeah. However, it's purely built on um, the, the way that human behaviour and our learning links together. So, for example, if you... Because, of course, your brain remembers all these things. We remember by learning chains... You know, th there's a reason why you won't put your hand on into an oven when it's hot, you know, and touch the mm. side. There's a reason why if you plug the iron on and switched it on, you won't hold it to your face. Because <clears throat> the one time that you accidentally touched it and it hurt like freaking like loads, you remember that. And the blockchain is there. All the parts are there. Iron, mm. hot, pain, right? So you don't do it. Mm. Similarly generationally ago when somebody ran towards a saber-toothed tiger and thought that looks really cute he looks really <laughs> fluffy and cuddly right and was mauled <laughs> half to death or that other people saw that happen that yeah. blockchain was there right so mm. instinctively <clears throat> you would know not to run towards a bear because it ran towards you and you got extremely scared and you thought oh crikey i'm gonna run away by mm. running away is a survival tactic. So you remember that. So the next time you see something scary or that instinctively you're worried about, you run away from it instead of running towards it. And so, you know, those sorts of blockchain behaviours can be really useful to us. Yeah. But they can, if we always just go on, um, you know, the emotion that comes from that fear, they can be sort of, they can hinder as well because not all things require that sort of dramatic response. And so... You know, what if you don't understand what it is that you're scared about? Now, a bear is obvious because it will kill you and eat you, right? So, so if you value your life, probably moving away from it is the way to go. Um, although I heard, this is a slight oh digression, <laughs> I heard that the advice that they give you is not to run away from a bear because most people can't outrun them, but is to, that's right, is to be a bear. And Make I, yourself big. I'm not so certain that if I was, you know, trekking through the woods and came across a bear, that, that I, you know, if it was there and went, I wouldn't think, oh, like that. I'm not sure I would. I'm, I'm a runner, I think, Matt. <laughs> but that, that, I mean, yeah, I guess. Well, that actually, because you said that the two Fs, flight or fight, but there's a third F. Yes. Freeze as yes. well. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, let's let's hope you never have to find out what you would do in that scenario. Right. But then <laughs> so let's let's kind of channel that down real quick before we take a quick break into Book of the Week, I suppose. Um book which of the is week. <laughs> just I thought I'd let you know it was coming so you can warm up. Just warming up, yeah. Um what does that mean normally? What is the bear? in our normal life? Is it the challenging Ooh. phone call? Is it the difficult email that you've got to do? Is it the person calling that, you know, is an ex or something or a boss that you don't like and you've got to answer the phone, you know it's going to be a difficult conversation to have? Is mm. it the mother-in-law or the father-in-law visiting that you know is a, not a nice experience? What What is the bear in your daily life that you would metaphorically or slightly physically run away from instead of running towards two? Or mm. that you freeze. Mm. And knowing that you've got those three instinctive responses, so mm. if you do consciously nothing, you're either going to run away from it, that may or may not be a good thing, because the problem often still exists. Yep. You're either going to freeze and do nothing, again, 
not necessarily a proactive. Doesn't change the situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, or you're going to, quote unquote, you know, advance towards it, which I would say is more solution orientated. So you're going to solve mm. it in some way. It's a bit like the classic, you know, in, in terms of relational statuses, and that could be uh, a loving relationship or work relationship, friend relationship. When there is a rupture, the, the best thing to do is immediately repair, not stew on mm. it and let it, mm. you know, kind of mm. build up. Because then something ridiculous happens where somebody leaves a towel on the floor and all merry hell lets loose because, quote unquote, you left the towel on the floor. And it's not about yes. the towel on the floor. It's the fact that all these other things have happened that you've not repaired. So um, I think knowing that you've got fight, flight, freeze, you can choose one of those. And so when you start to unpick this idea that of what fear is and what we're scared of and why we're fearful of it, you get a little closer to realising that we can manage it really proactively and much more effectively than we do if we just leave it to instinct. Because instinct is, of course, not necessarily useful right now because a lot of that instinct sort of instinctiveness has been inherited. Um, mm. Does that sort of make sense? It very much so does. And the instinct has evolved much slower than society has evolved so instinct sure. that's another reason why instinct isn't necessarily always the right thing to follow yes. in those scenarios and i was thinking after book of the week book of the week uh we could continue our <laughs> just i'm so excited uh we could just we could continue our quest to be open and vulnerable and we could talk about what our personal bears are Yes. Well, actually, we need to do that because we still haven't, and I think we've probably spoken about it at least twice before, and we keep forgetting, is we haven't shared what our um, our self belief um, uh, insecurities are. Yeah. Well, we did. We we did. Yeah, we did last time. Oh, did we? I'll edit this. Bit out. <laughs> yes, that's a great thing. We definitely should uh, discuss about our fears and be vulnerable and open. Brilliant. Yes. Personal bears. Wonderful. Personal bears. Touch of the bear again. <laughs> It's, it's a recurring theme. <laughs> oh, lovely. Well, what a lovely start to fear that was. Go on. Book of the week. If you're English or Greek, it's book of the week. Don't be meek. <laughs> Don't be meek. <laughs> I'm running out of weak rhymes. Other... Other uh, nationalities are most welcome to Book of the Week. You don't just have to be Greek or British. Or English. British. (laughs) Um, What have you got, Jez? What have I got? Well, raging headache. I have got... (laughs) Which I suppose in the broader, grander scheme of things is better than syphilis. This is the international bestseller by Gavin De Becker, The Gift of Fear. It is... One of the best books I've ever read. It's in my top. Oh, it's really difficult. St- I mean, <laughs> you do say that every week. Do no, I? This was the best book I've ever read. No, <laughs> this is. But, but genuinely, well, it's because I only pick the ones that are really good. When you've got <laughs> 3,000 plus books, it is really difficult when people say, oh, what's your favourite book? And I'm like, I don't have a favourite book, but I've got lots that are in my pile. And to put it into context... I counted the other day, I've got just under 50 books in my to-read pile. Because I'm that person that when you're reading a book oh. and they go, oh, you know when I read this book? I was like, ooh. And I pause reading, go straight on Amazon, buy the book that they've referenced in the book. That arrives. And I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. Uh, I'll add it to my <laughs> reading pile. <laughs> um, so, but it is, it is one of the, the best books I've ever read. Uh, it's, and I judge that by, and if you're looking on our YouTube channel, I'm going to show the camera uh where is there a focus i'm sorry i don't know um but there are lots of uh, dog-eared pages in it you can sort of see there all the dark marks there um and so whenever i see something i think is interesting or research that i'll come back to or whatever i dog-ear the pages and i would say that probably a third of this book is dog-eared um and i think there may even be an annotation or two gavin de becker is um a sort of expert an american expert on violent behavior um, I believe he had a background in law enforcement, like maybe, this is a long time ago since I read this, I think he's ex-FBI uh, or something like that, I'm very quickly looking to see if there is anything in here, um, but he talks about all of the tiny little subtle cues, the little subconscious signals that we know our brain processes and knows Mm. when we are scared of something or when we're in danger 
and it opens, I, very, I remember, it opens with a sort of description of a woman who was attacked in some back streets. And right. he was, they were try, I think she may have even been murdered. And so they were looking to find out, you know, how did um, people know uh, that it was going to happen or not happen? And, you know, you, they interviewed a neighbour and the neighbour said, well, I heard this kind of, you know, gunshot or I heard this, you know, kind of, and I saw this kind of shifty character and I, and I sort of sensed that maybe something wasn't right, but I ignored it. I thought, no, 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 I get the benefit of the doubt. Um, mm. And another woman who uh, escaped, um, she was walking down the street and she sort of sensed that something wasn't quite right about the guy following her or something like that. Lots of those sort of little signals. So how can we listen nice. to those signals? How can we learn from them? What does What is fear? But how can we actually appreciate that fear is a real gift? Because it helps if we listen to it. Mm. It helps um, us to make better decisions and also keep us safer is his sort of um, uh, his thrust. The, the strap line is survival signals that protect us from violence. It's published by Bloomsbury. I think it's quite an old book now. You know, I'm going to kind of guess around 2010, but let me... Uh, well, 1997, that's a, a word on Jez. Uh, spot on. <laughs> your, uh, <laughs> so, but very close to 2010. Um by about 20 years. So, uh, yeah, couldn't, couldn't recommend this more. And I think that's an interesting thing for us to maybe touch on later is that, you know, when you think about it in context, you think about the thing you're fearful of and that defines your fear mm. as opposed to fear being the thing that you should explore, the actual feeling of fear rather than the thing that you're, you're scared of. That's Marley who's scared that he might wee himself if he doesn't get a house in. So it's that shift, I think, of rather than being consumed by the spider or consumed by the loneliness or consumed by the whatever else you're fearful of, actually sitting with that feeling and exploring mm. that more and understanding it because then you can use it to your benefit. That's mine. Yeah. Wow. I actually... Sounds very interesting, very a different perspective as well. Yeah. And I practically trying to keep you safe from violence and danger mm -hmm. sounds quite useful. Yeah, absolutely. And bears. And bears. Now I, I, sus bears. <laughs> I suspect, Matt, that mm -hmm. because this is your book of the week, mm -hmm. it's a children's storybook or some sort of <laughs> intergalactic adventure in space or something. With pop-ups, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no it is uh one of my favorite books and i know i say that every time as well uh, it is american pastoral by the amazing philip philip roth sadly now deceased uh came out in 1998 so therefore better than your book <laughs> um fiction sorry jez but it's written as well it, it's based in the 60s uh on a well and it's told in flashbacks as well about okay. an about an all American hero who grows up. He's the head of the, the he's the captain of the football team. His family are have a like a factory in town. Everything is perfect for him, and his life goes perfectly. And he he believes this dream is going to continue forever. And the reason I'm linking this to fear is because I think a lot of people's fears are that everything they believe in maybe isn't what they think it is, or it will come crumbling down, mm, or yeah. there are, or there's, um, or, or life isn't actually as perfect as we can kid ourselves that it is. And mm -hmm. I say that because what happens, and this isn't a spoiler, it's on the back, um, <laughs> as the countercultural revolution happens through the 60s and beyond, his daughter, one of his children, one of his daughters, grows up, and for a start now, I'm going to say this very carefully, so he believes he has, he's going to have this perfect life. His daughter has a stutter. Now, I'm in no way saying... I, like a speech impediment in any form it doesn't make you perfect but for him that was the first sign that she wasn't these this perfect she wasn't going to be miss new jersey like his wife had been right plus then she goes on to plant a bomb in the local post office and kill someone and from then it just all spirals and she goes on the run and it's this right. him coming to terms with the american dream not being what it is his life not being what was promised his daughter and family not being what was promised i'm getting goosebumps again um wow. it's 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 so incredibly written and these rich long sentences that draw you in and I just adore it. And it, I think it is a big fear that what we think we have or what we think we deserve, we don't get or isn't what we expect. Gosh. I mean, that's probably the first one that you've brought to the table that <clears throat> genuinely makes me, I think, want to read fiction. 
I'm not then going. Then my work to... here is done. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then my work here isn't done. <laughs> but that sounds really good. Oh, you wanna... he's a brilliant writer. Do you, uh, you're a bit of a fan of the prose, aren't you? Oh, oh, sure, 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 you, sure. You do like a, you're a, you're a, what's the word? You're a vole of the verbiose. That's not probably the right thing. Is it? Bibliophile? <laughs> like to burrow your way through a. <laughs> Stick my <laughs> snout into a paragraph or two. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, so those are two. I mean, I don't suppose yours links to fear at all, does it? Not that they have to, but... I just said it did in about <laughs> six different ways, you shit. <laughs> my fear is that I don't actually trust my co-host. I mean... <laughs> I mean, I, let's leave it up to the listeners. Mine has the word <laughs> fear in the title. Um, so Maybe people don't like things spelled out for them. <laughs> Maybe they, like, they, they don't have to have it on a platter. Maybe I'm respecting our audience's intelligence what i thought was interesting is when you hold this up to the camera gift is massive right i mean that is the standout word on that cover and i wondered whether gift or fear should be standout do you think maybe fear should have been more standouty on there maybe they tested yeah like because it's been out since 1997 what what people responded to and when fear was big people didn't buy it because actually they didn't like to face their fears and gift makes it sound like it's a gift yeah maybe well then i suppose we should that sort of brings us back to our second bit of fear i'm genuinely a little bit worried about this i wouldn't say i have any fear about it but uh, the idea of sharing our personal fears is well it's frankly personal matt it's and fearful um <laughs> and maybe it's never been done well i've always said i love to be a world first yes um, maybe this I, will win us a poddy I've done enough. What is, is that? A, oh no, that's the thing you made up. I remember in the test called test in the test episode. <laughs> I can't do it. The test isn't it funny that the first thing I think of is the word test. Anything more than test becomes testicles. I got there's there's no other word in my vocabulary that isn't <laughs> testicles. Um, is there another word that begins with test that isn't testicle? Te- well, when someone Testine. phones you. Yes, yes. When someone phones you up and they're angry, those are testy calls. <laughs> I'll, I'll see myself out. <laughs> and if you wish to have the same Christmas crackers that Matt has to get a, at least 12 jokes for 2022, we'll leave a little link in the show notes. <laughs> I suspect they're from a pound store. Um, <clears throat> so... <laughs> what do you think are the most common things that are feared? I mean, I, I got, you know, that bit of research that I only remember those two because I think that's amazing. You know, fear of death yep. and uh, fear of dying, particularly, mm. um, and fear of public speaking. But in your experience, what do you think are the other things that people really fear? Because I mean, you must have the concept also from a personal training mm. point of view as well. Um, not fitting in. Uh-huh. Societally societally and i guess being left behind or like an slash abandonment i guess but equally before you even get to abandon not fitting in in the first place and yeah feeling feeling pressured to fit in in some way whether that's yeah how you look who you hang out with what you do how your body is anything like that um do i i guess in my sphere what i come across is do i is my body currency? Do I look good enough to fit in? I have this fear I won't be accepted if I don't look a certain way. Are my yeah. pecs big enough? Things like that. Acceptance is huge though, right? It's a really, mm. really big thing for human beings. And and I this cycle is so dangerous. I can see it. It's so real and, and prevalent. Uh, and I think it's very social media driven. Mm. Um, this is. very dangerous... I need to keep checking what everyone else is doing. How's everyone else looking? What's everyone else wearing? What's everyone else doing mm. so that I can emulate that and help me fit in? Um, and, and I see it yes. more and more and more and more. And it it, it really unnerves me because mm. it seems like there's more attention being, even at a subconscious sort of low level, what are they doing? What do these people do? What are they buying? What are they wearing? Mm. Um, what are they talking about? How are they talking? Where are they going to be seen? You see, even little things like, you know, the of course FOMO, right? God, mm-hmm. we should really bring that up. Fear of missing out, and that that being yeah. now a bloody hashtag and an actual phrase. 
that sometimes even there's this weird thing of people like tagging themselves because they want to be seen to be at the place that's being talked about, you know, so they tag their location. I've been here or I am there or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that they can be seen to be being, you know, in the place that is the cool place to be or that, you know, reflects, mm. helps build an identity that they want other people to be known by. Rather than us looking just here first, inwardly, and saying, who am I? Who do I want to be? Who am I going to be happy being? And then you find your tribe. Rather than mm-hmm. finding a popular tribe or finding a tribe that's being prescribed to you through media or whatever, and then f- mm. thinking, okay, I need to adapt to fit in with them. Because the dangerous thing, Matt, is we can adapt. We're so adaptable as a species. We're so... Uh, yeah. Our ability to evolve has been demonstrated over the last, according to you, 150,000 years. Um, and, um, True. True. And look how far we've come. Um <laughs> Uh, and our ability to habituate to get used to things and to sort of shape ourselves is so real and Mm. such a useful thing but it's also i think one of our greatest downfalls as human beings is habituation is so is one of the biggest things that holds us back and prevents us from being better at at, at us at being Mm. you know me um yeah so well, it's evolutionary but it's also in the moment in terms of being a chameleon like there and then changing who you feel you need to be to be accepted yes. in a specific moment and that could be a different you to who it is at work or at home or in your relationship or with your friends yeah 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 and um, do you think self-acceptance is the key oh i would say self-acceptance is the key to everything great it's almost the cornerstone to everything mm. uh, from a behavioral perspective from a psychological perspective from a mental health perspective from uh, you know, at work, at home, I, yeah, because it, once you get over the I am me and you get over it, if you if you think <clears throat> this might be an easy exercise and for others it will be an incomprehensible exercise, but just imagine for a second that you are able to say I'm me, great, move on, and just say, well, <laughs> this is me, isn't it? Yeah. Big yeah, sigh, yeah. move on. Then what? 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 Suddenly, just falls away in your life. And it will be the desire to fit in, worrying about whether your friends like you, worrying about what your friends are saying about you, worrying about mm. what your colleagues are saying about you, whether or not you're in the right career or not, whether, you know, your stuff at home, what you look like, all of that shit just <laughs> goes away. Yeah. But our ability to not be able to say, well, this is me, I'm me, and not worry about that. Do you think people are scared that if everything falls away, they'll see who they really are? And that stops, that sort of, stops them doing that work because the artifice around them is the crutch that keeps them going i I i've said for a long time that we're guarding an empty safe that (gasps) i've never heard that that's incredible (laughs) what we believe that we're doing is (laughs) and rowdy comes (laughs) You look like Tom Jones then from The Voice, um, <laughs> but a little bit younger, a little bit. Um, <laughs> so from very early on, we begin to put this sort of mask on. We begin to build this construct of who we are based on mm. environment, based on told who we're told that we should be or shouldn't be. Don't cry. Mm-hmm. Boys don't cry. Um, Mm. girls need to be stronger girls need to or women support the men in the home or women don't support the men in home or women need more rights or women don't need more rights or men should be you know this or that or whatever Mm. Um, these people wear dresses these people don't all of that nonsense plus all of the other stuff and as we move through our periods of life we become different people and we keep putting these different kind of walls up and stuff so I don't think by the time most people get to 30 in that transition where you move out of your 20s and you get into your yeah. 30s where sort of real adulthood starts uh, and there are significant shifts socially i think significant shifts um uh to the way that we think and feel as human beings mm-hmm. as we develop by that point most people the vast majority have absolutely no idea who they really are and they don't go through life necessarily consciously knowing that. But I think there's an inner knowing. There's a, there's a sense of things just not 100% being right. You don't know what your boundaries are. You know the boundaries are you've created mm. because other people have imposed them on you or you've put them there because that felt right for other people. 
as you mm. sit there smoking away because all everyone else around you smoking or because you've been smoking since you were 14 or whatever it doesn't mm. necessarily isn't necessarily right for you but you wouldn't necessarily know that uh, the clothes you wear the music you listen to the places you go the fact that you get drunk all weekend and black out because that's what all your mates are doing or whatever um yeah i would say that by the time you get to that midlife bit um I don't think most people have actually said, who am I? And I'm 100% confident and can articulate these boundaries as my own, mm. these beliefs as my own, these behaviours as my own, and these things that I like and don't like. I think we live a life of compromise. Hold on, if you do know that then, so surely the safe isn't empty that you're guarding? Yes, because what you think you are guarding is you, but... You, but actually, the thing that you're guarding is empty. There is there is nothing there. It isn't you at all. You are something completely different. So oh, you're a composite of, of everyone else and life around you. You mean? Yeah, you're holding on to this idea of all oh, this is me. I see. Um, but actually, if you were to unlock it and look inside, you go, oh, "That's not you at all. There's nothing in mm-hmm. there." It's these, you, because we become very defensive about these ideals that we've created, about this construct that we have created, about you know, oh me, oh I'm crazy. I love my hair pink, you know, because uh, you know, or, or, or whatever. Uh, but if you, you drill down, you say, actually, the only reason I dye my hair bright pink is because my mates are all a bit loud and crazy and, you know, I, I kind of fit in with them and they all say, oh, God, we love your hair that's crazy like that, so you carry on, mm. or whatever. These are these are ridiculous mm. examples. But, um, you know, the I've met a lot of people that are, for example, through coaching and, and the business work that I've done, a lot of... Um, executives or sort of high level in, in terms of the corporate hierarchy so they earn very good money um and they use the money to try to buy happiness or constructs of what happiness is or success right. as well so they need to they think they need to be seen to be successful so they need the five car garage and it filled with different cars and they they need the three dogs and they need the you know whatever and i remember one of the coaching clients whose son had a heroin addiction which did not at all match no. this, you know, corporate idyll uh, and this life he'd tried to buy. And actually when we... Pr- yeah, exactly that, yeah. Exactly it's, like the book. It's your book, yeah. Um, and when we pushed and probed, we realised that actually all of this didn't mean anything. It was a facade that he'd bought and built that he thought was right. Because he'd never asked himself or nobody had ever put him in that position and said, what is right for you? What What is real for you? And I think we know when it's not right, Matt. I think we know when there's a disingenuousness to our life, but we don't explore it because we don't have an alternative. So mm. the greatest fear is abandonment, right? And the greatest yeah. fear is to for somebody to come along and say, the person you thought you knew was you, the mm. life you thought you knew doesn't exist. It's not even mm. real. So then you're left hanging and dry, you know, just 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 held up like a little marionette, like a puppet, just dangling mm. there with no concept of what is real and what isn't real and having almost the feeling like you're going to have to build up a massive part of your life all over again or indeed your entire life. Um, mm. And having been there, having had that existential crisis myself, it is just like that. It is utterly exhausting, but it mm. is the best process to go through because you come out the other side my, I, I can't even describe the level of happiness and contentment and, and wholesomeness having done that process, but it is not yep. clean and it's not tidy. No, no it doesn't have to be. Um, do, linking to all of this, and that, especially that abandonment we were just talking about, do, I, I've heard this countless times when people like coaches or it's a saying that you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. Mm. and you were talking earlier about oh well i smoke because all my other because my friends smoke and it's what we do and so there's that resistance to change but that fear of change that if i stop smoking i might i'm not the same person that i was to be with those people yep and like that so so a do you think that's true about the whole you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with and b um is that oh uh is that resistance to change I guess that's that's part and parcel of the abandonment thing, isn't it? If I change, yeah. I might be abandoned by the people who know me best, even yeah. if they're not the right. If even if they're not the right people for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you, <clears throat> no one wants to be alone, do they? No. no one wants. It's why very often in relationships you make compromise after compromise 
after compromise after compromise. And while your own boundaries, you mm. don't... Uh, you, you Respect. Yeah. Um, because the alternative is, what if that other person doesn't agree and they leave me? What if mm. they say, well, you know, well, I thought you were that person and so this relationship's over. So it's easier to compromise and stay and live the life we know than the life that's true or the life that's real, right? Mm. Um, so I don't know about the five thing. I've not really thought about it very much. Um, this certainly has truth to it, obviously, because mm. certainly the people you hang around with most are going to greatly influence the decisions that you make and who you are. And Because, you know, even if you think about it, if you're a, invited six friends over, but and you intentionally didn't agree with all of them because you were true to yourself, well then that would be a really horrific dinner party, wouldn't it? Because you wouldn't <laughs> you wouldn't agree with anything, you wouldn't have anything in common to talk about. You disagree yeah. with most aspects of the things. So it's easier all the time to do that. So mm. you know you meet someone and it's really convenient, um, and so you do tend to flex and bend. And I'm not saying mm. we shouldn't. But I think there's a big difference between knowing what's true for you. If you don't know what is true and real for you, then it's mm. very easy to compromise on that and begin to live a life based on someone else's construct of what is right and real for you. You know, mm. um, I've met countless people who are incredibly unhappy because their spouse always wanted to move to the countryside and they're a city person and they've made that compromise and they're living in the middle mm. of nowhere and they hate it and vice mm. versa you know they grew up in the countryside they've moved to the centre of London and they are just miserable but well you know they like it and you know it's oh, we've got a mm. nice house and you know whatever we're close to the park or you know they make all these compromises all the time um, so yeah I think sometimes I think the greatest problem is when it when we fear isn't this tragic we fear our true values because we don't Yikes. know what they are. Um, uh, how do we find them? Maybe that is that. This is prob that's probably a whole other episode. In fact, yeah, values maybe. would be a wonderful. Yeah, let's do that next episode because we're sort of running to the end of the, of this week's episode. Well, yes. anyway, so. Um, so there's a cliffhanger. So let's let yeah. we'll explore Ooh, that maybe in the in the next uh, in the next episode. But I think you know we can wrap up in a second, but. I think the important thing, I, what I don't want this podcast to be is for us to be the cat among the pigeons and then just when the pigeons start to settle, start eating them. I would rather be the cat among the pigeons and then when they land, sort of say, oh, so how was your flight? And let's talk about, I don't know, I'm making this up as a girl. <laughs> what a terrible metaphor. <laughs> no, I, I, I like it. I just don't understand it. No, me neither. Um, I went all Australian. <laughs> so I, I guess a little bit of homework for everyone, maybe is to think about all of the aspects of their life um, from, I don't know, the job that they have, the types of clothes that they wear, the music they listen to, the friends that they hang around with, the lifestyle that they've got, uh, maybe spiritual, emotional, financial, whatever, and really ask yourself, you know, is there anything to that that doesn't feel true to me? What, mm. what, if, if I could reset my life, if I could press pause and I could just reset everything, is there anything I would change? And it doesn't matter mm. if you can or you can't. I say, well, of course there's that, but I can't do anything about it. That's okay. But knowing mm. it is really important. Um, and I would imagine that everybody has got at least one thing. They could say, well, I, you know, maybe I do feel a bit compromised on that. You know, there's a boundary there that I've not established or yep. or I'm, I'm not so certain about that. Um, but if we're talking of boundaries, Matt, can we talk about... Yes. What can we talk about what you're wearing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's quite the non sequitur, but yes, we can. Here I am resplendent in my midnight black, made that up, in my black black tank, as Americans would say, sleeveless yes. T-shirt, we might say. Or uh, human, or human, yes, vest, human branded apparel uh, with the amazing, what, what? Apparel. Apparel. Apparel spritz. Apparel. <laughs> Um, with I the amazing it. human thumbprint, which I'm obsessed with. I love it. It's not embossed, printed on it. Uh, and you should wear one too, because then you'd look great. And oh, uh, very, so really, really, I didn't mean you, I meant you, the pub. Collective. The, the pub, yes, us <laughs> as a species. Um, yes, really the entire species pump. should wear one. <laughs> yes. Yes, please, yes. that would help my mortgage out immensely. <laughs> 
but genuinely it's really lovely soft cotton uh it's delivered without any plastic which is wonderful as well and available in a human store where's that jez well, where is that? Let's add that to the link. Uh, you just need to click on the link on our podcast. Uh, uh, sorry, on the URL on our Instagram, which is at that human podcast, uh, and the link, the URL, the URL, the URL there will take you directly to the merchandise store. We've got all sorts sure in will. there, Matt. You can have sleeves if you want. Yes, yes. You don't have to sleeve it out. But it looks great. And you've been over on your own social media, on your own Instagram. You've been wearing it, I noticed, a little bit. on, uh, And you've had a little bit of interest, haven't you? People have said they really like it and they want to know where they it's really from. have. Well, I mean, it's because oh, it's, it's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> In short. But yes, um, I have. All of the verbs you could have used, you <laughs> went with nice. Well, <laughs> talking of social. Uh, so if you haven't already joined us, Matt... Give us all of the blurb. Where can people join us more? Where can they share in? And maybe this week they might want to share their fears. Wouldn't this be quite interesting? We could do a little poll, couldn't we? Yes, yes, yes. You, you love a little um, poll. <laughs> oh, my word. Um, <laughs> uh, well, it's at that human podcast on Instagram and the Twitter as well. And obviously continue if this if obviously you're listening to us already so you probably want to continue on the same platform but if you don't all other platforms are available should you wish to diversify where you mine your podcasts or just if other people you know they say oh i don't have exactly. uh, apple iTunes or whatever where can i get it <laughs> that's a that's a more sensible yeah. reason to, to to tell people how they can get it in different ways good <laughs> there are other people as well that might want to do it. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Instagram just because we're running those little, every now and again, little special offers exclusively on Instagram for the merchandise store and other special projects that are bubbling away in the background. In the human universe, the humiverse. In the you love it, don't you? You cannot help yourself. I, I really can't, can't imagine what your conversations at home are like. You, you remind me. Do you remember that guy, Rotati Discs? Who was that guy that used to merge all of his words together? Oh, come on, don't play coy. You're old. Oh, enough. oh, uh, Reverend Spooner. No. Um, yes, no, it is. No, no, it's you not. have tasted a whole worm. No, it is. Give me two seconds. Rotate discs. Oh. Uh, it is. Okay. Oh, God, there's people screaming it at home. Um, <laughs> or possibly not. Oh, God, I've just. Oh, here it is. Uh, Unwin. Um... Oh. oh, yes, gosh, I do know who you mean. First name, Stanley Unwin. Stanley, Stanley. Yes, Stanley Unwin. He used to sort of merge all of his words together and swap bits around and you could still sort of understand what was going on. Uh, I'd imagine that's what it's like talking at home with you. Uh, truly, I am his spiritual heir. <laughs> well, and for as long as you've got hair, we certainly should spiritually congratulate you and celebrate you. So, um, from me and Matt, uh, thank you for joining us again on this special edition. Oh, it's not a special edition, but thank you for joining us again they all? on this week's edition of the Human Podcast. Matt, it's probably time that we say goodbye, isn't it? I think it is. Thanks, everyone, for listening. It's so much appreciated having you along for this ride. Jez as well. You were here too. <laughs> I was. And hopefully I'll be back next week as well. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Have a good week. Bye.